Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and happy Thursday, happy day after signing day. We're going to get to that at the end of the episode, but I want to just start today with the Lions. This has been the talk of the town. This has been the talk of everybody. The state of Michigan's buzzing. Like, we haven't had this buzz in December in a very long time. We haven't had this magic and buzz late in the season in a very long time. We haven't been in the playoff push and the playoff picture in this city in a very long time. And it's all thanks to Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's the face of the city now. Hate to break it, you guys. Kate Cunningham isn't the face of the city anymore. I always said first team to win, the city's going to rally behind. They're going to flock behind. You see it right now. We were desperate for a winner. And shit, who would have thought the Lions would be your winner? Dan Campbell has turned the worst franchise in potentially a history of pro sports in America. Turned it around in one season pretty much overnight. And now we're talking about the playoffs and potentially winning a playoff game because we're so hot late in the season. Dan Campbell's the reason we're doing this. He's embraced the city from day one. We have a team full of castoffs and rookies and second-year players that just aren't amazing players and guys who and guys who are on like 20 other teams in the league wouldn't start, wouldn't even touch the field. But these guys are working harder than everybody else. These guys are playing better than everybody else because they're working harder. And that's what Michigan's all about. That's what the Motor City and Detroit's all about. And where Blue Collar City is going to outwork the shit out of you. And the Lions reflect the city so well. And it's pretty awesome to see. And it's awesome to see a coach coming from day one and just be completely blunt with the city. He wanted to win. And when you have a coach that really, really, really wants to win, it's going to be hard to lose. You have a coach who wants to win more than everybody else. I'm the biggest fan. I would love to see the Lions win, but I don't think anybody wants to see the Lions win more than Dan Campbell. He's the face of the city. Kate Cunningham, I love you. I think you're going to be a phenomenal piece of the city or an ambassador of the city, but Dan Campbell and the Lions are winning first. And the Lions are only going to get better after this year. It's a guarantee. The trajectory of the team is going to keep going up. There's no way this is going to go down. When this offseason, when Sheila Ford opens up the checkbooks and spends a little bit of money on some free agents, you have another draft cycle of Brad Holmes with a, probably a top five pick and another top 22, 23 pick, depending on where the lines finish. You're going to have two first round picks, two second round picks, and a third. We're going to make something happen in this draft. I'm telling you, this draft, there's we're not sticking in our normal draft spots. You have that much capital, you're going to move picks to move up. I'm very curious what he does. Because at this point, you're going to have to fill a linebacker. You're going to have to fill a corner. I would like to spend that in free agency. But back to, the, back to this season. Doesn't that rock bottom speech hit a little differently now, though? I'm saying, like, we're at rock bottom. All we got to do is win one game, and then we win another one, and then we win another one. And you know what? A lot of these guys are full shit. We've had so many of these guys come in here 
And there's bullshit when they say that. I mean, he sounded like he was going to lose his job at that point. No matter how much he's going to deny that, no guy's going to go out in the press and say, yeah, I was going to lose my job. Like, it's just stupid to say. Nobody, he said, nobody effed me out. Uh, yeah, people probably did because you're 421 at one point. But I think that that he wasn't full shit and turned this thing around. I don't think there's ever been a culture like this winning culture here. Like he's finally built, and I will say it now, there's a winning culture in that locker room. They're feeling winning. The city's starting to feel a winner. Everybody's feeling a little bit of a winner. They're, he's building a winning culture. And he flipped that culture of just that brutal, stupid culture that, that Patricia built here. He tore it all down, and in one and a half seasons, he turned it completely around with castoffs from other teams. He's done a phenomenal job. He's getting a B plus. I've raised him to a B plus, which is better than any Lions coach I probably ever will give a grade to. Because at the end of the day, we've had losing cultures. Like Caldwell, you guys can say it's a great culture. Alva Johnson just got up and retired. You have players that are wanting to play for Detroit right now. You have guys that are saying they like it here. You never heard Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders say, yeah, I like it here. Why do you think they both retired so early in their careers? Because you had a culture here of losers. You had a losing owner for a very long time. He was okay with losing because he loved torturing the fans just like Chris Illich does. He tortured the fans and he tortured the players. And you had guys just retire midway through their career. Stafford leaving right before... Um, the new regime came in because he was just sick of it here. I think right now you have a culture of nobody's sick of it. And that's something that I haven't seen here in a very long time. If ever, this is probably the first time we've had a different culture like this. Jim call out a great culture. Yeah. Jim call out a good culture, but it wasn't great. It was kind of this country club environment. Like everybody always said it was the stupid penalties. Yeah. They had a few of those last week, but relatively clean football up until last week the Lions have played in the last couple weeks the Lions are just doing the little things correctly and they're just winning games because of that because they're just outworking other teams no team works as hard as the Lions I'm telling you that much I love this team I love what this team this team stands for the grit the culture you know what it, it's been phenomenal watching a new and improved Detroit Lions that I've never seen in my life. Every single coach that stepped in here has been full shit up until now. Now you got to keep this, not just up this year, but do this for an extended period of time. Because as soon as you start losing, that honeymoon phase is going to be over in Detroit. And I think he, he saw that in the beginning of the year. That honeymoon phase doesn't last long here. But a phenomenal, phenomenal job out of that. That this coaching staff, and if, if Campbell wins coach of the year, I think if the Eagles lose two games out of the next three, which is very well possible with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, if Campbell can get to the playoffs, he's coach of the year probably unanimously. And I would love to see that. I The turnaround has just been something I never saw coming. I think most fans never saw this coming. I am so happy and proud of this Lions team right now but I'm not proud of the committee for taking for not taking St. Brown in the Pro Bowl. I think that's a joke. I think had he not missed those one or two weeks to that injury, he's Pro Bowl. Easily. 
over A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's been great. St. Brown's been better in pretty much every statistical category. Justin Jefferson, I can live with it. I also think there's a Cowboys bias, too. I think he's played just as good of a year as C.D. Lamb, if not better. It angers me that the Ragnall's your only guy in the Pro Bowl. And, and about Ragnall, I'm glad he's back this week. That's going to be big. This game screams a trap game to me. And you know, getting Ragnall back is huge. And I think that this trap game will... This is another game that decides your season. This team's hot as hell, and they're crushing teams that are really good teams. Like the Vikings, the Giants, the Jets, those are three very good teams. And they beat the shit out two out of three of those teams. The Lions don't do that. But the Lions have played all these tough teams, and now they're going into this very easy one against Carolina, a team that's still somehow in the playoff race because they're in the worst division in football. That division is the biggest joke in history. I, I will sit here and bitch about it, and I, I, I truly believe that you shouldn't, they shouldn't do divisional winners. Just go your best seven records. Who gives a shit about your division winners? You can't have a team that's going to be 7-10 and 10 in the playoffs over a team that's going to miss at potentially 9-8 and eight or 8-7-1. Eight, and one. That's just not fair. Carolina can very well slip into the playoffs if they can pull off a little win this week. This They better fire on all cylinders on Saturday because I have no clue what we're going to see on Saturday. If we see the same team that we saw against the Jets, we probably still win. But it's going to be a close one. If this team comes out there and smacks them, I'll be shocked. And I think Vegas doesn't really love the Lions in this game either, like two and a half points. Not a lot of points for the Lions in a game that I get it's a road game. But at the end of the day, they they should play a close game, but I I don't know. This feels like a weird game to me. Like the closer and closer we get to it, it's like, are we going to see the same team we've seen the last eight weeks? If we do, we win this game by four or five touchdowns. Let's see if this team had a bad week of practice because this is a nothing game. This is going to be a long-ass game. So we'll see. And I and I want to talk about JMO for a bit. I think the coaching staff is being way too cautious with him. I want to see him on the field. 50%. That's it. Like, I don't like this, you play him for seven plays, but on three of those plays, he's burning the corner, he's wide open down the field. I hate it. Play him or don't play him. Why activate him off the IR to play him for like five snaps and two gunners? It makes no sense to me. Play the damn guy or don't. Because I want to see JML. 50% is cool. Like, I think at this point in the season, I get it, you, you want to be cautious with him because he's your rookie and he's the future of this franchise and the future is his receiving core with Amar on St. Brown because now you have an amazing, amazing athlete on the outside and Amar on your slot and you have the perfect receiving core set up for the future. I get it, but you're in the playoff race right now. You're pushing for a playoff spot. I need to see him on the field. I'm sorry, you either play him or you don't. I, I need to see him at 50% this week because I'm sick of it. I, I want Because he's so good when he's on the field. If you were playing him at 50% snaps, they win this week by four touchdowns. 
they win this game at 28 if, if J-Mo's on the field. That's how bad I think Carolina is and how much of an impact I think J-Mo makes for this team. He's going to be he's going to be very good. I get it. You don't want to rush it. It's an ACL injury. We we have to treat ACL differently than than most injuries. But at the same time, play him or don't. I'm sick of it. Ronald Wallace, I'm sick of Chris Illich and the Detroit Tigers doing absolutely nothing. I will say it right now. Scott Harris could be the most brilliant guy in all of baseball. Doesn't matter. If Chris Illich doesn't want to cut him a checkbook, he's going to fail. You got a confident dude out of Avila. But if you're Chris Illich, or you're an, how about this? If you're an MLB baseball fan, the Detroit Tigers are viewed literally like the Reds, like the A's, like the Marlins, like the D-backs. That's how we're viewed right now. We're viewed as a loser franchise with a loser cheap-ass owner. And it's atrocious that this team is so bad. And when I think they're they're going to be good, the next time they're going to be good is 2025. You could have bought your way out of this, but you didn't. The only way you could fix this is buying it out. But Chris Illich is okay with being a loser. He's okay with Steve Cohen's luxury tax bill being larger than his entire payroll. It is ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we're sitting here in another offseason with nothing happening. With nothing happening. Because Chris Illich was, didn't have the balls to open up the checkbook or he didn't care enough to open it up for Correa last year. He signs Correa. Javier Baez. We don't even fucking talk about him in a Tigers uniform ever. Had they got Correa. We don't talk about how Javier Baez could be the worst contract in Major League Baseball history. And when Mickey's contract's off the books, the Tigers are paying absolutely nobody. That should frustrate every single fan here. That we're just sitting here doing nothing. Again, you go out there and you sign Lorenzen and Matt Boyd. Whoop-de-whoo, that's a great offseason. Do something. Like, you got to spend money to win. Like, Steve Cohen is actively trying to win with the Mets. The Yankees try to win every year. The Dodgers try to win every year. And I'm not saying that you need to be a team that tries to win every single season like them. But at least try to win because you've sucked for nine years. you got to spend money. Teams have really screwed up spending money through the years. But even the Tigers, and we, and we sit there and we question some of the moves back. Now, but if you get your ring, who cares? You got your ring out of it. And all I want is a ring. I want to feel feel a ring. Like the Tigers need to get one done. It's been since 1984 this team has gotten a ring. And they're showing no urgency to get one anytime soon. They want to build it through the farm system. Building through the farm system doesn't work. Scott Harris is going to fail. I'm telling you right now. Scott Harris is going to fail because of Chris Illich. It's not because Scott Harris... Is a bad GM. Scott Harris probably knows what he's talking about. Scott Harris probably knows what he's doing because he was selling me on a vision on his opening press conference. But you can't win when you're spending what seventeen million dollars in an off season. Wow, let's keep signing these one year contracts. It, it surely has worked out great. I'm sick of it. You have a cheap ass owner. 
that's going to lose baseball games and torture fans again for another year. Don't show up to the ballpark. The only game you guys should show up to all year is Miggy's last game to celebrate Miggy, not because of Chris Illich. And when Chris Illich hits that podium, everybody better boo as loud as they possibly can. I, I don't even know if he knows who Miggy is. To be honest with you, I'm not even joking. It's a joke. I'm sorry. But when the Mets have Verlander and Scherzer now, Verlander and Scherzer, two guys that can still be here today. And again, in hindsight, like who would say that Verlander and Scherzer would be dominating the MLB at 40 years old? Probably nobody at that time would say that they would be this good in 2023. But it should infuriate Tigers fans, not, not just me, but all of you guys, that he wouldn't just pay Verlander. I don't care if that contract bites you in the ass. You have two years of it. You're telling me you wouldn't have paid him a little less than the Mets because he probably would have came back. Had he gone out there and signed Verlander. Wow, great offseason. Like, you got him back home. He's going to retire in a Tigers uniform. Well, hey, I know the dynasty was over. The second Scherzer left. Because that's when they, that was the biggest screw up of that entire dynasty was Scherzer. Had they not let Scherzer walk, they probably would have a ring. And that's my that take. They screwed up with the Prince Fielder signing. Like, like I'm telling you, you screw up when you sign big contracts. But if you're throwing big contracts around, good things typically happen. And the Mets bought big this offseason. Do, do, do I want the Tigers to spend like Steve Cohen? Yeah. But do I expect them to? No. But I want them to at least try to have some urgency to make baseball fun and make summers fun again and make an October fun. Because we've not had any fun in Detroit since 2014. We're going to go all the way up until 2025 with losing baseball in Detroit. We're going to go an entire decade without a winning season. That should piss every single fan off. A lot of people have lost interest. A lot of really diehard fans have lost interest in this team because it's just ridiculous what what is shown on a nightly basis. It's pathetic. And this this Scott Harris thing is just not going to work out. I I can't sit here and you have the cheapest owner in in probably sports. He's never going to win. Can't win with the empty checkbook. I want to finish off with the final segment of the day, and that's signing day. Michigan, Michigan State had pretty good signing days. Michigan killed the transfer portal. Michigan State, I mean, they they hit on some good recruits and portal players. It ended up all okay for Michigan State. By Job ended up signing. They ended up getting Keyshawn Blackstock, which was huge. They needed an old lineman that could come in and play right away. He's a starter from day one. They got that done. They got Sam Leavitt after. They they bought they need a quarterback as everybody after Bo Edmondson decommitted they needed a quarterback they replaced Bo Edmondson with a better quarterback and then hey how about yesterday getting Tumasea Die that was huge getting him from A and M was massive that's one of the best transfers he's probably pulled that kid's gonna be an animal you need a D line and you fill that gap in he's building up the lines in the portal he's building up the lines with the recruits. He's got some freshmen that are probably going to come in and jump in the lineup right away next year. He got a kicker. I don't know what this kicker is. I mean, he's never really kicked. So we'll see what that is. But after all my worries about Mel Tucker not getting a class, not getting his recruits, losing all of his guys, 
it ended up being all okay. Michigan State's going to finish with a top 25 class, something they haven't done in the history of the program. It's the best class they've ever had. You, you should be happy with, with this recruiting cycle. Now, are you going to win with Jay Johnson and Scotty Hazelton as your coordinators? Probably not. Now you got to start making your changes. Now you got to go out there, you got to get a new OC, got to get a new DC and figure it out. But I think right now you're you're kind of stuck with them. We'll see what they do. We'll see what they do. But re- the recruiting's going well. The transfer portal states doing well. On the flip side, Michigan's doing an amazing job as well. Miles Hinton, a guy they, sh- they should have got a few years back. They circled back to him, got him off the portal from Stanford. Ernest Hausman, huge transfer out of there. And then A.J. Barner out of IU. Mich- Michigan's killing the portal as well. It seems like every second they're getting a portal, the transfer portal recruit. And Harbaugh's hitting it hard. And I, what, what drives me crazy is you, you got a new uh, president at university who wants to embrace the NIL money. And that drives me insane because now Michigan is winning football games and now they have the money pouring in from all their billionaire donors because they, they have more billionaire donors than, more, than most colleges in all the world. So their NIL money is going to start pouring in and they're going to start recruiting much harder, I feel like. And I think that Tucker is going to have trouble keeping up with it, to be honest with you. If Tucker, and I get it, like Tucker came in and we all got caught up with that 11-win season last year. And that 11-win season brought all of our expectations to an all-time high this year. But I think looking back at it, Kane and I won you all those games and you were lucky you got it at the end of the day. The thing is, is when Tucker came in, this was a four or five-year rebuild is what they were saying. Now you're year four next year. Guy win games next year. I'm sorry. There, there's no more five and seven years. There's no more, no bowl game seasons. You got to get to eight. Got to be an eight-win coach. I can live with eight wins every single season. Because the Big Ten's getting so tough. You're not going to be able to keep up with USC. You're not going to be able to keep up with Michigan. You're not going to be able to keep up with Ohio State. But you can be right where Penn State's at. I'll be perfectly happy at, with this program. Because this is not a school that should be dominating football. 11-win seasons are amazing. You can get your 11-win seasons here and there, and that'd be great. But I don't expect this D'Antonio dynasty, especially with UCLA and USC coming in. UCLA's recruiting really well. Dante Moore coming in starting right away next year. So you got both teams on the West Coast looking good. It's going to be very tough for Michigan State to win the Big Ten, but they can sit there at eight, nine wins, make a few playoffs here and there with the 12-team playoff, and potentially make some noise in the playoffs every few years. I'll be happy with that as a fan. And if Tucker can get them there, and I don't know if he's that guy that will get them there. He's sure as hell recruiting well, but the guys that he's recruiting aren't hitting the field or aren't hitting the field and aren't good, or are hitting the field and aren't good. We'll see what happens. But I think I feel a little more confident in the program after signing day than I did before signing day. So I'm going to conclude this episode now. I'll be back again tomorrow. Grant's coming back on, so we'll have another episode there. And I'll see you guys tomorrow.